This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me today are the Toledo Symphony's principal second violin and artistic administrator, Merwin Sue, also the TSO's marketing director, Felicia Canny. And we have a special guest in the studio with us today. That is the principal tubist of the TSO, David Saltzman. Welcome, David. Hi there. David is playing the world premiere of Samuel Adler's Tuba Concerto. That is happening uh, next Saturday. It's October 20th at 8 o'clock p.m. It's part of the concert called Colors, and we're doing sort of a two-part episode on Colors. Today we're going to focus on David and the Tuba Concerto of Sam Adler, who's going to be calling in any moment now. Uh, to talk about that. There's also music of Rimsky-Korsakov, Borodin, Stravinsky, Russian composers who are all sort of connected to each other in one way or the other. But there's also a Sam Adler connection there, and I want to ask him about that when he calls in today. So, uh, tubist, or tubaist? Tubaist, I think, is not is not as common. You see it sometimes written down, but tubist is, is generally what we, okay. we like to call ourselves. Uh, tubist. I'm going to write that down and make sure that <laughs> I say tubist from now on. I don't think anyone's going to get angry. Yeah. <laughs> well, well so on this episode, we're going to cover the tuba concerto. We're also going to talk about Flight of the Bumblebee. I have a great uh, version to get us started the Flight of the Bumblebee. This actually involves the tuba, and it involves another instrument that is close, I know, to Felicia's heart. Hang on a second here. Uh, not the piano. Why, why are there question marks in my head? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this never dies. A version with kazoo. And I think they add a tuba later on, although I suspect that it's kind of... Not sure if those are real kazoos or not. They're pretty high-quality kazoos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could just be. Oh. There, we, <laughs> there go. we go. There we go. There I heard a tuba. That sort of seems to be like the tuba's lot in life. You know, they get like those low bass notes. Every time you need like a a low rumble sound, that's what the tuba does. That's one of the things that we specialize in. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about this this tuba concerto. Uh, it, there's some interesting things about it that I that I want to ask. I have not heard it. Obviously, it's having the world premiere at this concert. But uh, how long have you uh, you had it? You've looked at it, right? Oh, I think so. I think yeah. I think I've looked at it a little bit since uh, since it's going to be premiered in a couple weeks here. Um, hey, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> no, with Sam's writing, I definitely needed some time. There's no question about that. It's a very difficult concerto. Um, the thing that um, I've had it for about maybe six months now, I'd say, just give or take. And uh, when I talked to Sam originally about writing it, the only thing that I requested was that he. Um, uh, Sam and I are both Jewish, and I asked him if he if he would mind including some portion of Jewish or Judaism in mm-hmm. in the piece. And in the first movement, he writes it as a, a cantillation, so you can hear the tuba kind of singing like a cantor would be singing over the over his congregation. Oh, okay. So, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, it opens up with a nice, beautiful slow movement. Well, um, Sam, of course, knows a lot about cantors and cantorial singing. His father was a famous cantor. Without a doubt. And actually, yeah, yeah Sam, Sam is uh, very present in our congregation here yeah. in Toledo as well. So, wow, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Well, we should mention for folks who don't know, I mean, Sam is one of the longest living uh, composers today. He's, you know, 90 years old. Uh, and I believe he's on the phone right now. Let's give it a shot, see if we can get him on here. Hello there. Hi. Hi, Sam, how are you? 
I'm glad we were able to connect. Let well, me... I called before and nobody answered, so I did this. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I'm here. Brad good. and Merwin is here. Very and, good. And Felicia Candy is here. And we also have uh, David Saltzman. You've heard of David, right? Well, he's very important in this <laughs> conversation. We can't have the uh, tuba concerto without him. He's been telling us a little bit about this concerto, and I didn't, I, I, I didn't make the connection, but... He talked about uh, the first movement, cantillation, and the connection to cantorial singing, right? Uh, which is something that you are obviously very familiar with. Can you talk a little bit about that first movement? Well, the first movement and the cadenza, uh, which comes between the second movement and the last movement, uh, are related to cantillation, which is, uh, as you say, a kind of uh, home for me, because of my father, who was a cantor and used that cantillation. It doesn't uh, use the exact same tune, but it is in the form of a cantillation, meaning that the lyrical part of the instrument is used in it, because the tuba uh, has so many phases to it, and I tried to get every all of it into this concerto. It is my 17th concerto, and maybe I get it right this time. (laughs) (laughs) But your first for tuba, though, right? The first for tuba, and I hope the last. (laughs) (laughs) We Um, don't hope that. (laughs) David is waiting out for part two, holding holding out for another concerto. Oh, no, this is hard enough for him to work on his whole life anyway. (laughs) Now, uh, Sam, when you write a concerto for an instrument, obviously, I I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but you don't play all of these instruments. No, no, no. How do you get them under your fingers, as it were? How do you sort of identify with the instrumentalist? Well, I think I know enough about instrumentation and orchestration and to be able to know what is the capability of each instrument. And I usually get my inspiration from the instrument and from the player. And mm. uh, David is such a great uh, tubist uh, that I was able to use all the resources of the tuba and uh, he played it for me the other day, and it seems to be very easy for him after he worked <laughs> it's on it. It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you make it look easy. No, the, thing is, the thing is, um, I think uh, one has to look at the entirety of both the range and the capability of an or- of a orchestral instrument or a non-orchestral instrument like the piano. Uh, the idea of uh, a-, a concerto is to try and feature the instrument in its full capacity. And that's what I try to do. Hmm. Now, there are not that many concertos for tuba out there. So, I mean, obviously, this is going to be a major addition to the repertoire. Let's hope. Yeah. Why why do you think uh, composers have not been attracted to the tuba so much? Well, in the first place, I don't think there have been... uh, tuba players that are capable of real uh, solo playing until the 20th 20th century. Hmm. Uh, The tuba is a rather latecomer because uh, all kinds of instruments, for instance, Mendelssohn didn't use a tuba, uh, and uh, Berlioz sometimes didn't use a tuba. They used other instruments uh, to take the tuba's place. But since then, since, let's say, the the middle of the 19th century, uh, tuba has been part of the orchestra. And just like all the other uh, brass instruments, 
very few uh, real concertos were written for them until the 20th century. That isn't true of the horn, because mm. and the trumpet. The trumpet was featured in Baroque works especially, but uh, the, the 19th century, you hardly have a trumpet concerto, and you certainly don't have a uh, trombone concerto, except written by players of the trombone or players of the uh, trumpet. That is... Um, you know, the 20th century has such great virtuosity in, on every instrument that the composers have been uh, much more eager to write for each. Yeah. Well, many of these composers, even the ones that you mentioned, of course, were inspired to write their concerti by a particular performer. Exactly, and that's the same today. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, you're, you're, you wrote this this very lyrical kind of uh, slow cadenza. I mean, we usually think of a cadenza as something very fast, something very virtuosic, a, a way to show off. Right. Uh, characterize that cadenza that you wrote for the two before us and why you did it that way. Well, I am glad you asked that question. The first concerto for, uh, uh, the first real concerto that I wrote was a flute concerto. And um, I felt that uh, maybe it would be good to write an introductory slow movement, then a fast movement, and between the two fast movements, the second movement and the finale, uh, to put a slow cadenza, which again shows a different a part of the uh, capability of the instrument. And this, uh, the tuba, I thought might be a good place to do that again, because all the other concertos that I've written were either four-movement pieces uh, without a cadenza, or the cadenza is, as you say, a kind of virtuosic uh, show show piece. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. I can't wait to uh, actually hear it performed. Well, I mean, you could hear it. Uh, he'll play it for you if you ask. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. he did bring his tuba, in fact. So we'll see if we can get to that. Well, the thing is that, uh, you know, um, concertos too often are sh just show pieces. You know, uh, uh, I mean, there are, there are such great uh, violin and piano concertos of the 19th century, but they are essentially pieces to show off the virtuosity of the soloist. And uh, uh, except perhaps for Beethoven, I, I think, for instance, the second movement of the Beethoven Violin Concerto is one of the most uh, sublime uh, pieces of writing. And so are the slow, for instance, the slow movement of the double concerto for violin, viola, and and strings by Mozart, the the Symphony Concertante. I mean, uh, they. Uh, those composers and all the slow movements of Brahms, Tchaikovsky, and uh, Mendelssohn, and so on of the 19th century are all uh, pieces that that show uh, what the instrument can do besides being virtuosic. And I thought it might be good to show uh, the tuba is not just uh, you know Tubby the tuba, uh, <laughs> but uh, a very expressive. <laughs> Uh, instrument, yeah. and that's why I used a slow cadenza and also a slow movement to introduce the piece. 
So, not that there's anything wrong with Toby the Tuba, by the way. No, no, I like it. I <laughs> like too. it. And I actually knew the composer, and he was a very fun guy. Wow. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Speaking of somebody else that you knew, uh, you're on this concert with uh, a handful of Russian composers. It's Rimsky-Korsakov and Borodin. Oh, I didn't know those. And, <laughs> but uh, you did I'm, know... I'm old, but not that old. You, you did know Stravinsky, however. And when we talked about your autobiography, you told me a great story yeah. of the Stravinsky Masterclass. That's right. And I'm just wondering if you would tell that again for our listeners. Well, um, when I was a graduate student at Harvard, uh, we had a class. I mean, the teacher for that year was Walter Piston, a great American composer. Uh, and uh, he was friendly with Stravinsky, and Stravinsky actually came uh, to a class uh, that we had, and of course we thought that was uh, God coming to the class, yeah. and we um, uh, all tried to write like uh, Stravinsky, and there was one person in the class, Carl Cohn, who later went to Pomona College and taught there for the rest of his life. Carl wrote Stravinsky Plus. I mean, he wrote such wonderful music that sounded like Stravinsky, uh, and if I may say so, almost even better sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, I don't think Stravinsky will complain. Uh, yes, he would. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there was never such an ego. But yeah. anyway, so uh, Stravinsky uh, came, and we told Carl to put his piece up, because Stravinsky would love it, mm. since it was so much like him. Anyway, Stravinsky came, and you know, he was quite a short man, but he was dressed to kill. I mean, he had spats on. I mean, it was wonderful. He didn't so, come riding in on a horse, did he? Uh, almost. <laughs> uh, uh, he, he walked in, and, said, and we all stood up and clapped. And there were 15 of us. Uh, and uh, he said, oh, sit down, gentlemen. Uh, and uh, uh, he looked at the piece, and, and he said, uh, 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 it's very stuffy in here. Open the window. So somebody opened the window. He looked at the piece again, wiggled his glasses. Then he said, uh, I'm getting a draft close the window. <laughs> he looked at the piece again. Oh, Walter, this very hurt in here. Uh, open the window. <laughs> oh, I think I'm going to get a draft. Close the window. Thank you very much, gentlemen. That was my lesson with Stravinsky. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then after that, everybody said they had studied with Stravinsky, right? Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, uh, Aaron Copeland once told me that um, we were walking, uh, it was in Texas, we were walking across the campus of North Texas, the University of North Texas. And he said, you know, Sam, I've had more students than anybody else. I said, how could that be? I mean, you only have eight students a year at Tanglewood. And he said, yes, but I go to all these colleges and I talk to 500 people. And um, afterwards, they all put down in their bio, studied with Aaron Copeland. <laughs> <laughs> I venture, I'm, I'm going to put in my bio, study with Sam Antler after this. So. You could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Well, David, do you have anything you want to say to Sam while we're while we're uh, you know on the record careful here? Careful now, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I honestly would just like to express my deepest gratitude for not only writing this concerto for you know kind of for me, but for the Toledo Symphony and also just for our, for my instrument in general. I think it's just a, a huge contribution for um, for for tuba players, and I just can't wait to share it. 
um, you know, with, with the audience here in Toledo and uh, hopefully with other tuba players. I know a lot of tuba players are coming in for the concert from around the area and from around the country, actually, to hear it. Um, so hopefully, you know, um, I, I, I just, I, I hope to do you justice is all I can say. Well, I know you will, and <laughs> I'm so grateful to you. I mean, you've worked so hard, and, you know, you played it for me, and I couldn't believe how perfect it was. Wow. <laughs> it was really wonderful, and uh, I'm just delighted that we're going to hear it. Uh, and hopefully... Um, uh, you can play it again several times. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, for right. sure. Well, I'm glad you guys get along. That's good. <laughs> so far, so far. Anyway. So far. Yeah, we, no we have to get through the concert first. Yeah. Yeah. So right. we'll, we'll check in on. I'll, I'll give you another call on October 21st, and we'll we'll see how you. How you feel I'm going out of town. <laughs> well, Sam, it's been great talking with you, and we look forward to this concert. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, it's it's uh, wonderful, and and, re- and you're going to be there, obviously. For oh, I hope so. Yeah, definitely. And I'm bringing friends. And I hope everybody else brings friends. Absolutely. The concert is uh, Saturday, October 20th, 8 o'clock p.m. in the Paris style. David Saltzman performing the world premiere of the tuba concerto by Samuel Adler, his 17th concerto, in fact. But first tuba concerto. Right. And hopefully the last, as you said. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much for the opportunity. Oh, thank you, Sam. It's great talking with you. Bye-bye. Bye now. Wow. You know, when you hear Samuel Adler talking about things like, oh, Igor Stravinsky, oh, Aaron Copeland and I were taking a walk and talking yeah. to, you know, I saw your eyes go wide, Felicia, when he says stuff like that. It's just amazing. It's what uh, amazing. Sense yeah. of history. No pressure yeah. there, David. I mean, you, you have, know. You have no idea that the times that I've gone over to, to um, Sam's house and, and um, talked about the concerto or when I went and played for him like last week and I finished playing for him and then we just sit in kibitz for about an hour and a half yeah. and just hearing the man's stories, it's just like you're, I'm, I'm sitting in awe of, of, of the life that this man has led. They are remarkable. It's, re- it's incredible. Well, he does have that book that came out, I believe, a year or so ago, which is really a remarkable uh, compendium of stories about his life. Yeah. I would urge anybody to go out and, and read that fantastic book. Now, uh, you may not know this, but I also wrote a tuba concerto, Uh-oh. just to get us back on track. <laughs> I wrote a tuba concerto. I have not written the um, orchestra part yet, but I did write the tuba part. Okay, I'm bracing myself and you've got, I, I want you to pick up your tuba there, David, okay. and, and you've got the music right there. We may have to fiddle with the microphones, but okay, go ahead and... and you got to fiddle with the microphones or well, tuba with the microphones? <laughs> Tubist two, two with the microphones. Tubist with the microphones. You go, go ahead and give it a shot there. Let's hear how it sounds. Now, this is the first time he's playing, so if he makes a mistake, <laughs> if he makes a mistake... So this is another wait. world premiere. You just had to load, load this up, right? On the radio. Here, Here we, we go. go. By okay. Brad Creswell. All right. All right. No, no pressure. There was one note I thought was just a, a little bit rushed. Was it this one? No, that one was okay. That, that was all right. It was the one before it. Oh, okay. Now, I mean, you know. I'll get back to work. A lifetime of work went into that, went into that concerto. Um, but thank you. I appreciate it. World premiere, David Saltzman. I can put that on my resume. Study with Sam Adler. 
uh, premiered tuba concerto by David Saltzman. Right? That's a big day for you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Getting out of bed is a big day for me. (laughs) So we've uh, talked about the tuba concerto. Um, I would like to move on a little bit to our uh, flight of the bumblebee part of the uh, session today. And I've got some fun bumblebee facts, but I want to get another version of flight of the bumblebee up for you. Let's see if you recognize who this is. It's trombone, so you can figure it out. I'll let my low grass colleague. Uh, I I think it's our new maestro, Elaine Trudell. That's right. (laughs) That's Elaine, right? There we go. Okay, we'll put that in the background. Now, the word bumblebee is a compound of bumble and bee, just in case you didn't know. (laughs) Uh, bumble means to hum, buzz, drone, or move ineptly or flounderingly. And the generic name bombus um, is derived from the Latin word for a buzzing or humming sound. So there's, there's one rare bumblebee fact. It's also very rare that you get stung by a bumblebee because only the, only the females have stingers, first of all. And they can sting you multiple times, but they very rarely do that. So they don't die when they sting you. Another thing that I thought was funny is that bumblebees have to eat every 40 minutes to keep from starving to death. I can relate to that. (laughs) You beat me to it. I can relate to that as well. (laughs) And uh, here's something else we can all relate to. They love coffee. Well, actually, they love caffeine. Uh, Caffeine is actually... (laughs) (laughs) As we all drink our coffee today. Um, So that's interesting. And and they're also good at math, which I thought, this this is crazy, this fact about bumblebees. Uh, there's something called the traveling salesman problem where you have to visit different locations that are spread out over a certain area and you you try to figure out what's the shortest distance to, to get through all of them and hit them all. Bumblebees are like masters at figuring that out. They go around and figure out where all the different flowers are and then they can calculate the shortest distance between all of them consecutively so they can hit them. So they're Uber drivers. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> wow. David, I'm turning over hosting duties. <laughs> anyway, so we'll, we'll get this. Uh, there we go. A little background noise there. Something's so, wrong with my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the headphones. Um, so we have an audio quiz, and uh, this is. can't handle the noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take that down. That was really <laughs> annoying, I, I know. We have an audio quiz, and um, this audio quiz is about different pieces of music that are inspired by insects, right? So you each have a piece of paper in front of you that lists different insects, and you have to match the insect to the piece of music that we're going to hear. Some of these you'll probably know very easily. Um, Here's the first one. This is a warm-up, right? Now, just like the overture to William Tell became the theme of both radio and TV versions of Lone Ranger... Flight of the Bumblebee was used as the theme for both the radio and TV version of this series. It's the, the Hornet, isn't it? Oh no. Brown Hornet? That's right, the Green Hornet. Green Hornet. Oh, uh, ah. <laughs> we get 30 seconds with each. Is this a piece. jump in? Yeah, you can jump in. I mean, David already... Some are silent, I think. <laughs> you know what this is? Merle? No, I don't. No, I don't know this piece. That was... Well, I'm not going to tell you because then you can cross off it, um, things as we go along. We'll come back. Number three. Here we go. 
Usually this is sung, but this is a brass version. The name of it is El Grillo. All right. <laughs> Go to the next one. Um, see if you know this. Like the buzzing sound effect earlier, this one is really annoying <laughs> and kind of freaky and creepy. I think I know this creepy. one. This is music by Bella Bartok. Yeah, I think I know this one. Yeah. This is by Georg Philipp Telemann. Next one. This sounds nothing like the insect. Perfect. <laughs> so helpful, Brad. <laughs> well, can't, I mean, if they were dancing a ballet, it's a flying insect. And they kind of buzz around and hang in the air. So every they're they're quite slice. beautiful. They all have wings. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go to the next one. This is number seven. Usually this is a string quartet, I think. Four strings. But arranged here for saxophone. Okay, next one. This one sounds like the insect. At least that first part did. <laughs> now, now, now it's all happy and happy and buzzy. Now, uh, the last one is actually bonus round, if you can uh, identify the bug that is Oh, is it a lightning bug this. for a lightning round? No. <laughs> Again, let me write this down. <laughs> you should be able to guess which insect this is. Okay. <laughs> so that way everybody gets one I right. got one right. <laughs> um, all right, so we got the, the first one we know was Green Hornet. Number two, any ideas for that? I had that down as a mosquito. That's a wasps. Oh. The wasp overture of uh, Vaughn Williams. Oh. Number three, El Grillo. It's the cricket by Josquin Dupre. Did not have that. Did not get that one either. I, I thought that was a butterfly, so I was <laughs> I really <did> wrong. <laughs> I was like, how delightful. Yeah. Butterfly. Number four was Bartok from his microcosmos. That's the fly, the right? The fly, yeah. yeah. From the diary of a fly. Uh, number five, the Telemann. Anybody know what that was? That was. I had that as a cricket. I had that as a cricket too. Yeah, it's cricket. Oh, yay! Too right. It's from his. I was like, ladybug. From his cricket symphony. That you heard all that. Those are like the legs rubbing together. When I was younger, for grade school, we had to capture insects and bring them into school. And I, I, my mom caught a cricket for me and put it in this container. And then I thought, oh, you know, I should put in something sturdier so this thing doesn't get out and, like, jump all around the house. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but then I, I killed it. Because <laughs> oh, no. it had no, no air. That, that in the sequel, Revenge. Of <laughs> <laughs> it's going to come back and haunt you now. I think they're I circling around you right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, number six. Anybody get that? 
I had that as a butterfly. I had a butterfly, too. Uh, close. It was a dragonfly <gasps> polka by oh. Joseph Strauss. I guessed oh. dragonfly. Ooh. Yeah. Number seven. I had that as a bee. That I was a bee, too. That was Franz Schubert's The Bee. Yep. Yeah. Cool. And number eight. What did that sound like to you? Oh, that? Mosquito. I had I mosquito. Wasp. Yeah. No, it was Mosquito. Oh. That's uh, by Liadov, The Mosquito. Ah. Okay, the concert, we're going to talk about this uh, next week on Symphony Lab as well, but the concert is called Colors. It's happening next Saturday, October 20th at 8 o'clock p.m. That's a week from Saturday, by the way, at the uh, Paris Style Toledo Museum of Art. Elaine Trudell conducting the Toledo Symphony. David Saltzman performing the world premiere of the Tuba Concerto of Samuel Adler. This uh, concert also contains that Flight of the Bumblebee by Rimsky-Korsakov, music of Borodin and Stravinsky, and they're going to have uh, Holly Carr there doing some silk painting during the course of the concert. We're going to talk about that next week. Um, my thanks to everybody who appeared today, Merwin Sue, Felicia Canny, and of course a big thanks to you, David Saltzman, for joining us here. Thank you for having me. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. You can download episodes of this program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org slash lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. I'm Brad Cresswell, and you've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab here on FM 91.